Hi, everybody. Carla here, and thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Are you enjoying the story so far? I know I am. A thank you again to Akira for suggesting such a wonderful book. And now, let's get into Chapter 18 of Lois Lowry's The Giver. Thank you again for joining me here at Carla Reads the Classics. Please stay tuned. Chapter 18 Giver? Jonas asked the next afternoon. Do you ever think about release? Do you mean my own release or just the general topic of release? Both, I guess. I apologize. I mean, I should have been more precise. I don't know exactly what I mean. Sit back up. No need to lie down while we're talking, Jonas, who had already been stretched out on the bed when the question came to his mind. He sat back up. I guess I do occasionally, the giver said. I think about my own release when I'm in an awful lot of pain. I wish I could put in a request for it sometimes, but I'm not permitted to do that until the new receiver is trained. Me, Jonas said in a dejected voice. He was not looking forward to the end of the training when he would become the new receiver. It was clear to him what a terribly difficult and lonely life it was, despite the honor. I can't request release either, Joinus pointed out. It was in my rules. The giver laughed harshly. I know that. They hammered out those rules after the failure ten years ago. Jonas had heard again and again now reference to the previous failure, but he still did not know what had happened ten years before. Giver, he said, tell me what happened, please. The giver shrugged. On the surface, it was quite simple. A receiver-to-be was selected the way you were. The selection went smoothly enough. The ceremony was held, and the selection was made. The crowd cheered, as they did for you. The new receiver was puzzled and a little frightened, as you were. My parents told me it was a female. The giver nodded. Jonas thought of his favorite female, Fiona, and shivered. He wouldn't want his gentle friend to suffer the way he had, taking on the memories. What was she like? He asked the giver. The giver looked sad, thinking about it. She was a remarkable young woman, very self-possessed and serene, intelligent, eager to learn. He shook his head and drew a deep breath. You know, Jonas, when she came to me in this room, when she presented herself to me to begin her training, Jonas interrupted him with a question. Can you tell me her name? My parents said that it wasn't to be spoken again in the community, but couldn't you say it just to me? The giver hesitated painfully, as if saying the name aloud might be excruciating. Her name was Rosemary, he told Jonas finally. Rosemary, I like that name. The giver went on. When she came to me for the first time, she sat there in the chair where you sat on your first day. She was eager and excited and a little scared. We talked. I tried to explain things as well as I could. The way you did to me. The giver chuckled ruefully. The explanations are difficult. The whole thing is so beyond one's experience. But I tried, and she listened carefully. Her eyes were very luminous, I remember. He looked up suddenly. Jonas... I gave you a memory that I told you was my favorite. I still have a shred of it left. The room, 
with the family and grandparents? Jonas nodded. Of course he remembered. Yes, he said. It had that wonderful feeling with it. You told me it was love. You can understand, then, that that's what I felt for Rosemary, the giver explained. I loved her. I feel it for you, too, he added. What happened to her? Jonas asked. Her training began. She received well, as you do. She was so enthusiastic, so delighted to experience new things. I remember her laughter. His voice faltered and trailed off. What happened? Jonas asked again after a moment. Please tell me. The giver closed his eyes. It broke my heart, Jonas, to transfer pain to her. But it was my job. It was what I had to do, the way I've had to do it to you. The room was silent. Jonas waited. Finally, the giver continued. Five weeks. That was all. I gave her happy memories. A ride on a merry-go-round. A kitten to play with. A picnic. Sometimes I chose just one because I knew it would make her laugh, and so I treasured the sound of that laughter in this room that had always been so silent. But she was like you, Jonas. She wanted to experience everything. She knew that it was her responsibility, and so she asked me for more difficult memories. Jonas held his breath for a moment. You didn't give her war, did you? Not after just five weeks. The giver shook his head and sighed. No, and I didn't give her physical pain, but I gave her loneliness, and I gave her loss. I transferred a memory of a child taken from its parents. That was the first one. She appeared stunned at the end. Jonas swallowed. Rosemary and her laughter had begun to seem real to him, and he pictured her looking up from the bed of memories, shocked. The giver continued. I backed off, gave her more little delights. But everything changed once she knew about pain. I could see it in her eyes. She wasn't brave enough, Jonas suggested. The giver didn't respond to the question. She insisted that I continue, that I not spare her. She said it was her duty, and of course I knew that. She was correct. I couldn't bring myself to inflict physical pain on her, but I gave her anguish of many kinds, poverty and hunger and terror. I had to, Jonas. It was my job and she had been chosen. The giver looked up at him imploringly. Jonas stroked his hand. Finally, one afternoon, we finished for the day. It had been a hard session. I tried to finish, as I do with you, by transferring something happy and cheerful. But the times of laughter were gone by then. She stood up very silently, frowning as if she were making a decision. Then she came over to me and put her arms around me. She kissed my cheek. As Jonas watched, the giver stroked his own cheek, recalling the touch of Rosemary's lips ten years before. She left her that day, left this room, and did not go back to her dwelling. I was notified by the speaker that she had gone directly to the chief elder and asked to be released. But it's against the rules! The receiver in training can't apply for re It's in your rules, Jonas, but it wasn't in hers. She asked for release, and they had to give it to her. I never saw her again. So that was the failure, Jonas thought. It was obvious that it saddened the giver very deeply, but it didn't seem such a terrible thing, after all. And he, Jonas, would never have done it, never have requested release, no matter how difficult his training became. The giver needed a successor, and he had been chosen. 
a thought occurred to Jonas. Rosemary had been released very early in her training. What if something happened to him, Jonas? He had a whole year's worth of memories now. Giver, he asked. I can't request release, I know that. But what if something happened, an accident? What if I fell into the river like this little four, Caleb did? Well, that doesn't make sense because I'm a good swimmer. But what if I couldn't swim and fell into the river and was lost? Then there wouldn't be a new receiver, but you would already have given, given away an awful lot of important memories. So even though they would select a new receiver, the memories would be gone except for the shreds that you left of them. And then what if... He started to laugh suddenly. I sound like my sister Lily, he said, amused at himself. The giver looked at him gravely. You just stay away from the river, my friend, he said. The community lost Rosemary after five weeks, and it was a disaster for them. I don't know what the community would do if they lost you. Why was it a disaster? I think I mentioned to you once, the giver reminded him, that when she was gone, the memories came back to the people. If you were to be lost in the river, Jonas, your memories would not be lost with you. Memories are forever. Rosemary had only those five weeks' worth, and most of them were good ones, but there were few, a few terrible memories, the ones that had overwhelmed her. For a while, they overwhelmed the community. All those feelings, they'd never experienced that before. I was so devastated by my own grief at her loss and my own feeling of failure that I didn't even try to help them through it. I was angry, too. The giver was quiet for a moment, obviously thinking. You know, he said finally, if they lost you with all the training you've had now, they'd have all those memories again themselves. Jonas made a face. They'd hate that. They certainly would. They wouldn't know how to deal with it all. The only way I deal with it is by having you there to help me, Jonas. To help me, Jonas pointed out with a sigh. The giver nodded. I suppose, he said slowly, that I could... You could what? The giver was still deep in thought. After a moment, he said, If you floated off in the river, I suppose I could help the whole community the way I've helped you. It's an interesting concept. I need to think about it some more. Maybe we'll talk about it again sometime, but not now. I'm glad you're a good swimmer, Jonas, but stay away from the river. He laughed a little, but the laughter was not lighthearted. His thoughts seemed to be elsewhere, and his eyes were very troubled. Chapter 19 Jonas glanced at the clock. There was so much work to be done, always, that he and the giver seldom simply sat and talked, the way they just had. I'm sorry that I wasted so much time with my questions, Jonas said. I was only asking about release because my father is releasing a new child today, a twin. He has to select which one and release the other one. They do it by weight, Jonas glanced at the clock. Actually, I suppose he's already finished. I think it was this morning. The giver's face took on a solemn look. I wish they wouldn't do that, he said quietly, almost to himself. Well, they can't have two identical people around. Think how confusing it would be. Jonas chuckled. I wish I could watch, he added, as an afterthought. He liked the thought of seeing his father perform the ceremony and making the little twin clean and comfy. His father was such a gentle man. You can watch, the giver said. No, Jonas told him. They, they never let children watch. It's very private. 
Jonas, the giver told him, I know that you read your training instructions very carefully. Don't you remember that you are allowed to ask anyone anything? Jonas nodded. Yes, but Jonas, when you and I have finished our time together, you will be the new receiver. You can read the books. You'll have the memories. You'll have access to everything. It's part of your training. If you want to watch a release, you simply have to ask. Jonas shrugged. Well, maybe I will then, but it's too late for this one. I'm sure it was this morning. The giver told him then something he had not known. All private ceremonies are recorded. They're in the hall they're in the hall of closed records. Do you want to see this morning's release? Jonas hesitated. He was afraid that his father wouldn't like it if he watched something so private. I think you should, the giver told him firmly. All right, then, Jonas said. Tell me how. The giver rose from his chair, went to the speaker on the wall, and clicked the switch from off to on. The voice spoke immediately. Yes, receiver, how may I help you? I would like to see this morning's release of the twin. One moment, receiver. Thank you for your instructions. Jonas watched the video screen above the row of switches. Its blank face began to flicker with zigzag lines. Then some numbers appeared, followed by the date and time. He was astonished and delighted that this was available to him and surprised that he had not known. Suddenly, he could see a small windowless room, empty except for a bed, a table with some equipment on it. Jonas recognized a scale. He had seen them before when he'd been doing volunteer hours at the nurturing center and a cupboard. He could see pale carpeting on the floor. It's just an ordinary room, he commented. I thought maybe they'd have it in, in the auditorium so that everybody could come. All the old go to ceremonies of release, but I suppose that's when it's just a newborn. They don't. Shh, the giver said, his eyes on the screen. Jonas's father, wearing his nurturing uniform, entered the room, cradling a tiny new child wrapped in a soft blanket in his arms. A uniformed woman followed through the door, carrying a second new child wrapped in a similar blanket. That's my father, Jonas found himself whispering as if he might wake the little ones if he spoke aloud, and the other nurturer is his assistant. She's still in training, but she'll be finished soon. The two nurturers unwrapped the blankets and laid the identical newborns on the bed. They were naked. Jonas could see that they were males. He watched, fascinated at his, as his father, gently lifted one and then the other to the scale and weighed them. He heard his father laugh. Good, his father said to the woman. I thought for a moment that they might both be exactly the same. Then we'd have a problem. But this one... He handed one after rewrapping it to his assistant. It's six pounds even. You can clean him up and dress him and take him over to the center. The woman took the new child and left through the door she had entered. Jonas watched as his father bent over the squirming new child on the bed. And you, little guy, you're only five pounds, ten ounces. A shrimp. That's the special voice he uses with Gabriel, Jonas remarked, smiling. Watch, the giver said. Now he cleans him up and makes him comfy, Jonas told him. He told me. Be quiet, Jonas, the giver commanded in a strange voice. Watch. Obediently, Jonas concentrated on the screen, waiting for what would happen next. He was especially curious about the ceremony part. His father turned and opened the cupboard. He took out a syringe and a small bottle. Very carefully, he inserted the needle into the bottle and began to fill the syringe with a clear liquid. 
Jonas winced sympathetically. He had forgotten that new children had to get shots. He hated shots himself, though he knew that they were necessary. To his surprise, his father began very carefully to direct the needle into the top of the new child's forehead, puncturing the place where the fragile skin pulsed. The newborn squirmed and wailed faintly. Why, he's... Shh, the giver said sharply. His father was talking, and Jonas realized that he was hearing the answer to the question he had started to ask. Still, in the special voice, his father was saying, I know, I know. It hurts, little guy, but I have to use a vein, and the veins are in, and the veins in your arms are still too teeny-weeny. He pushed the plunger very slowly, injecting the liquid into the scalp vein under the, until the syringe was empty. All done. That wasn't so bad, was it? Jonas heard his father say cheerfully. He turned aside and dropped the syringe into a waste receptacle. Now he cleans him up and makes him comfy, Jonas said to himself, aware that the giver didn't want to talk during the little ceremony. As he continued to watch, the new child, no longer crying, moved his arms and legs in a jerking motion. Then he went limp. His head fell to the side, his eyes half open. Then he was still. With an odd, shocked feeling, Jonas recognized the gestures and posture and expression. They were familiar. He had seen them before, but he couldn't remember where. Jonas stared at the screen, waiting for something to happen, but nothing did. The little twin lay motionless. His father was putting things away, folding the blanket, closing the cupboard. Once again, as he had on the playing field, he felt the choking sensation. Once again, he saw the face of the light-haired, bloodied soldier as life left his eyes. The memory came back. He killed it! My father killed it! Jonas said to himself, stunned at what he was realizing. He continued to stare at the screen numbly. His father tidied the room. Then he picked up a small carton that lay waiting on the floor, set it on the bed, and lifted the limp body into it. He placed the lid on tightly. He picked up the carton and carried it to the other side of the room. He opened a small door in the wall. Jonas could see darkness behind the door. It seemed to be the same sort of chute into which trash was deposited at school. His father loaded the carton containing the body into the chute and gave it a shove. Bye-bye, little guy, Jonas heard his father say before he left the room. Then the screen went blank. The giver turned to him. Quite calmly, he related. When the speaker notified me that Rosemary had applied for release, they turned on the tape to show me the process. There she was, my last glimpse of that beautiful child waiting. They brought in the syringe and asked her to roll up her sleeve. You suggested, Jonas, that perhaps she wasn't brave enough? I don't know about bravery, what it is, what it means. I do know that I sat there numb with horror wretched with helplessness, as I listened as Rosemary told them that she would prefer to inject herself. Then she did so. I didn't watch. I, I looked away. The giver turned to him. Well, there you are, Jonas. You were wondering about release, he said in a bitter voice. Jonas felt a ripping sensation inside himself, the feeling of terrible pain clawing its way forward to emerge in a cry.
Thanks for listening, everybody. And that'll do it for chapters 18 and 19 of Lois Lowry's The Giver here at Carla Reads the Classics. Please stay tuned for the upcoming final chapters of this great book.